magical hour. A Matthew and Schaefer podcast spectacular. Show you my scroll? No, I've never seen scroll. Oh, well, you know, it, it, it was inspired by the Kerouacs on the road, right? So it's just like one long scroll. Let me see if I. Are you getting to an excerpt? Yeah, I was going to read something. I just have a pick. This is my favorite. Retarded martyr, face print and mortar. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> Last night I smelled Paul Mall perfume saleswomen and my scrotum tightened and I hissed. Vicious raccoon babies fighting those ladies. Yep, I think you have the... <laughs> That's the spirit. Okay, cool. Night is about eight hours away from falling on Austin, Texas, because we are gathered here for a very rare morning recording of One Magical Hour, a Matthew and Schaefer podcast spectacular. This being episode 188, for those of you keeping score, by which I mean Nicholas. And uh, we're very excited to be back in your ears again to uh, have a conversation, to talk about some, talk, talk about AI for president. I feel like that's kind of become a segment Schaefer ranting about AI. Uh, we haven't formalized it yet. New segment, things, sh- no, sorry, this is an old segment that has now been branded. Things Schaefer learned on other podcasts. Sloop, T-S-L-O-O-P. Uh, things Schaefer learned on other podcasts. We'll also have Matthews Minutia. We'll also have Matt's Minutia. Ooh, what could that be? Well, I'll tell you in a minute. And uh, we'll have poems and all the other stuff that you know and love. First, let me welcome... Matthew, number one, he is the our bodhisattva of fun. He has mandibles like the predator. He is widely known as Southern California's great children's folk rocker. He's Matthew Rampy. We are the podcast. We'll start the talking. We are the ones who want some more cowbell like Christopher Walken. I've got uh, We Are the World stuck in my head today because uh, I watched The Greatest Night in Pop Music. Um, first, first, let's get let's let's invite let's let's let everybody know that our guest is here. I, I want to introduce uh, you know him from Tales in this podcast, my good friend Matt Shook. Hi, Matt. Hello. Hello. How are you doing? He is not wearing a costume. Unfortunately, this is the, the Cowboys uh, story. Jimmy Johnson. The, oh, the, the, the Seahawk with the miracle whip. Yeah, yes. we okay. talked about yeah. that. And we yep. talked about Jimmy Johnson. It's yep. really, yeah. Yes, that's in the works. Got it. You, Same page. I'm listening. I don't think it's an exaggeration to say you've assumed the stuff of legend on one night. Yeah, he's a bit of a legend. Even though he's here with us, the people, people say taken. people say somebody's a legend, and when they're like they're still alive and they're with us, I don't think they understand what a legend. legend means. He's one of the, he's one of the greats. 
One of the great mats. Uh, see if I can sprinkle some extra under that. Uh, um, thanks for jo- thanks for joining us this morning uh, here on the podcast. Um, I just let me start out by asking you guys: Have you seen the greatest night in pop music? I assume it's about We Are the World. It's it's a little documentary about We Are the World. I, it's on Netflix right now. I'm excited about that because that is a whole show of guests. We have a guest and a. We have three. It's like we are the world here. I know. This is a little like that session. Can I just, I, real quick, I forgot. It's really weird that I did the introduction and it's pouring rain and hailing and storming outside. And I didn't. You didn't, I didn't mention, mention. You didn't mention the That's weather. Hilarious. Why? It's also pour, pouring rain, storming and hailing outside. Just so you know, listeners. Which is I, rare. I don't rare know. For us. It was rare. Um, yeah, I had an unusually succinct. Usually I ramble. Matt, usually I ramble about. The conditions outside, even though when they're not interesting, and today they this were interesting. interesting. It is. There's thunder and there's lightning. Um, we are the world. You guys should check that out. I don't want to. I don't want to. Uh, I don't want to spoil anything about it. But it was. It was really a crazy event that they put together, and it was. Who's they? You mean Bob Geldof? It, well, it was Bob Geldof's idea, and they, and and they had already done the Live Aid uh, tune with English artists. And then it was Quincy Jones Quincy and Jones. Lionel Richie and Michael Jackson got together and were like, well, we're going to do this thing. And Michael and Lionel had never written a song together before. And they got together and that was sort of rocky and it took a minute. And I mean, they got it. They got the demos put in to mail off to artists like four days before the thing. And then there was the American Music Awards, which is not a thing anymore, I've noticed. And and maybe you'll see in the documentary that they had a bunch of categories of like black artist. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. And I was like, what? The black artist category? What does... Um, Anyway, Lionel Richie was hosting and they were like, well, that's the only time that all these people are going to be in L.A. So we're going to do it. So they like they arrived at the studio to start this massive undertaking at 10 p.m. Mm. And like mm. they are just just getting everybody on the stands and just recording the chorus took about three hours. They they left the studio early the next morning, but it's really crazy. Like seeing first it was done overnight. It was done overnight. First, as like a child of the 80s, you're you're floored by everybody who's there together. Sure. I was watching it with my kids and they don't care who Lionel Richie is. And they, and most of the <laughs> artists they did not know. And they were like, this is stupid. Who did uh, they recognize? Well, they recognized Michael Jackson uh-huh. and they recognized Cindy Lauper. My, my daughter did. And of course we had talked about, we, there's a bunch of artists that we had talked about that were on there and that they had never seen before. And um, anyway, it's a fascinating. I'm, I just brought it up because I'm super pumped about it. And at, at the end of it, you get this. They did this event where they played the song on radio stations at the same time all across oh, the world. And there's all these shots of people from so many different places like listening to it. And it, it, it has a feeling. This is pre-internet, obviously, way pre-internet where uh, everybody was together and like artists and music, music made a difference, you know, like, and they did, they did raise a ton of money. I remember my dad who was no like pretentious 
cultural anything brought home like 10 copies of the vinyl because wow. he was just he was so moved and 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 this is where i can put my charitable yeah he, know, he like he something. like did this philanthropic they thing. did this for us overnight we the least we could do is like 10 copies i mean i never i had no idea that it was like done over that's like, what surprised me see as a kid you think it's like a you know a production that they give oh they did over a month or yes something. Yeah. right for sure yeah, they got it's, everybody together yeah, imagine the list logistics required to do that just i mean well, and then first you, of all, I don't think that that many celebrities even get together in the same room for fear of some, you know, whacking nut. Like, <laughs> uh, uh, I think it, I think it was um, Paul Simon said, "If a bomb hits this place, <laughs> yeah. John Denver's back on top." <laughs> he said that in the documentary. I, 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 no. it, it, yes, no one of them did. Oh, really? Yeah, one of them did. Amazing. Huey Lewis recounts that he says. He says, "I think." I, I th it was either Billy Joel or or Paul Simon said that. It's pretty funny, right? I was like, what's what? John Denver's most famous song? Rocky Mountain, Mountain High. High. That oh, song's about LSD. No, the, the Rocky Mountain High. If you look at the lyrics about the fire, you know, he saw in the sky and the country boy. It's about an LSD. It's about him getting turned on. Okay, LSD. It's about his first trip. Okay, you know, big one up in the mountains. So anyway, check out those lyrics. I mean, I think that the, it's a uh, saying singing about Rocky Mountain High is hardly veiled. Yes, there you go. There <laughs> right. it is. So just but then dig into the lyrics. For okay, I, so, I will because so I'm not I watched John the Denver. Grammys last Sunday. Oh yes, and of course, you know, I've got a couple different text threads with a bunch of guys, and no one was like, "Hey, who's watching the Grammys?" It's kind of like a we don't talk about that. But of course, throughout the week, I asked people, did you see the Grammys? And several of them were like, yeah, it was amazing, which is what I said too. Tracy Chapman, mm. Annie Lennox, um, who was the other? Joni Mitchell. Mitchell. Mm. So, you know, I did see someone tweet like, oh my God, one more of these, I'm going to need to open a, a, a woman's only bookstore, you know, a woman-owned bookstore in Portland. Like it's like, you know, middle-aged lesbian, like, you know, powerhouse of the Grammys. But my point is, such a great ceremony to get all these people together. Their music is so meaningful. So I love it. So... We are the world is like that on like you know steroids. I, I, Mega. I'm I'm glad that came across my days. You know. Yeah. Um, I'll watch it with my wife. It's a Very it's cool. a really good story. Uh, Omnibus podcast did a We Are the World episode. Is that right? They broke down. Talked a lot about the writing of the song, which is really interesting, and that power struggle between Michael Jackson and Lionel Richie. Also, the last time Bob Dylan was ever a team player about anything. Oh, not man. excited. The last well, time. I, I, I <laughs> but he, but I he participated. Play. So my question I, is... I think that was the last thing. He's like, all right, guys, I'm never doing this again. Yeah, you can tell. <laughs> so the question is, has anybody tried to do it again? Did they, do they address that in the documentary? No. Hmm. I don't know. Has anybody tried to do that again? To, to bring, you know, we are the world still. Or I we are the world now. The Omnibus podcast talks about other... Both before and after similar uh, similar attempts. I mean, wouldn't now ever, it just be a Zoom call? No, nobody would be interested in that. You want it to be compelling. You want to raise a trillion dollars. Because another thing from right, another thing kind of like this from our childhood is Hands Across America. You right. remember that? Oh, sure. They didn't go all the way across America. No, they didn't. There it was, was a failed attempt. It's like some. Is yeah. that right? Some it's like the Mojave Desert. Well, there were some several some places tough, oh. tough to link together. Maybe some cornfields and in, in Iowa. Or America, we are the world. But that you know they got pretty close, all things considered. The next thing I know is just the Million Man March. Has there been anything that's bridged oh, the gap great. between that one and the Hands Across America or We Are the World? Is there any global initiative at all? Anything that's gotten a lot of people involved? I, don't I can't know. remember. Keepers. Well, these are good questions. I can't remember. Listeners, get at us. Let us let us know if you can think of a time when humanity actually 
work together the, for a common god, a common good. That was there, there, there was there was there wasn't a bunch of crackers trying to take away women's reproductive rights. That's a good point. <laughs> there was like Westboro Baptist Church, like uh, uh, picketing uh, uh, soldiers' funerals. <laughs> you know, that was a real. That was a real coming together. You don't remember oh, that? that? There's, there was the Katrina marathon, right? Where they went on and raised money during Katrina. All oh. the, didn't they get a bunch of celebrities for that? Is that right? Uh, yeah. Okay. Remember yeah. Mike Myers, Kanye? You know, oh, yeah. Bush That's right. People. Oh, yeah. So that, that was, was that was like a telephone. Yeah, people came uh, together for that. Well, they, but they did it all in separate locations. Right. right? Yeah. This so wasn't everyone again, in the yeah. room. And wow. I guess you can do that more easily now. Well, I mentioned Zoom calls. There was uh, all the Hollywood celebrities that got together at the pandemic and sang. Uh, yeah, I remember uh, that. They, they, they were. All, it was all on Zoom, but they. See, that's why I don't remember. It. But they put it together. It was. Uh, they sang Imagine. Yeah, not compelling. And then, and then, and it was not compelling, and it was widely derided online. It has to be sure. if everyone in the room here dies. You know. The, there's, uh, there's no more creative, you know, like, like, you know, it's got to be, yeah. it's got to be like a state of the union type thing. Something that was, was can... amazing that was in this vein when Tom Betty passed away, that was during lockdown and they put together that awesome memorial show that was, it was on YouTube or something. I remember I watched it on my phone and it was like just people, cause it was, everybody was locked down. So it was people sitting in their houses playing Tom Petty tunes, songs. which like that's the yeah, perfect that way. Cool. That that's the perfect way to do a Tom Petty song. Is not you know not on a on a big you know MSG stage you know for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame award you know or yeah. induction or something. Yeah. But you know everybody would like picking their own you know song that they have a really personal relationship with, sitting in their pajamas playing it on their acoustic guitar. It's the best way. So that was amazing. It's beautiful. Well, you guys mentioned Bob Dylan. And it is addressed in the documentary that like being in a room full of chaos is is not the way Bob works, and he he look he's very uncomfortable. Which is weird. The whole thing, and the thing that gets him out of his shell, he it, they they take him to do his little like be the dad, you know, and he he doesn't know how to sing it, and he's sitting there looking at the music, and he's got his headphones on, and he's like not finding it. He's off, and. They Steve they get him in, into a little side room with Stevie Wonder, and Stevie does a Bob Dylan impression and play plays it on the the piano, and he like does a Bob Dylan impression. They said Stevie's was an incredible mimic, and that loosened Bob up, and he thought it was funny, and that and it showed him how to sing his part. And then he like, Stevie Wonder saves the day again. Again, see Stevie did the Grammys. He did a tribute to Tony Bennett. Oh, did he? Yeah, he yeah. did a Tony, a Tony Bennett thing because it was in memorandum and. And Stevie's, you know, I think will it just treasure. be the end of American culture when Stevie Wonder passes away? Like, but he is getting younger. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they showed him he's getting younger. Something he's got the he's got the Bruce Springsteen HGH or whatever they're taking. It's like they're you know. I hope you're right. He's got the, yeah, he's got the Benjamin Button. And I hope both, I hope both of those guys live forever because they're pretty important to me. I think Bruce and Stevie have a topical salve that's got you know some sort of chemical that you know just reduces their. You know. Well, it's the adrenochrome, right? That the Clintons have. Been well, so there it is. It's, it's, ba- it's baby foreskin. You're right. It's baby foreskin. That's what all those Tyson chicken plants were for. You heard it. Here on One Magical Hour, folks. Um, Matt. Yes. Um, man, thanks for being here. Um, you, I I have some I have some Matt focused questions. Okay, because can I, we go? Can we go into uh, some? Matt? You can you can Do, go into those. Um, I have a Matt focused comment. Okay, go ahead. I'm still picturing you wearing a Seattle 
Seahawks, Seahawks uh, bird, head, yeah, bird, raven thing, head, yeah. With the miracle whip. So what happened was we were driving in the Uber. Uh, there were six guys and we were going to the game. And I asked the Uber driver, can you pull over at this your quick trip, the QT over here? We got to get some stuff. And you know, you tell the guy he gets nervous because he doesn't want any alcohol or cigarettes right. in his right. nice vehicle. And I said, I promise you, we're not going to buy any alcohol. And he's like, sure. You know, so he pulls over. I buy a six pack of Heineken Zero because I haven't been drinking for a while and two squeezy bottles of Miracle Whip. And so, you know, we all load back up into the Uber and um, so the driver like, look, in a beer and Miracle Whip. And it was the last things I think he was expecting me to have. Uh-huh. And so, you know, they're, they're beer for me. But Were props. you dressed as a bird at this point? No, he didn't, he wasn't, uh-huh. he didn't know why. But I'm You just, had a bag full of your bird. No, no, I'm just he, saying like most people in the Uber are, you know, getting some Well, and he, some and he picked us up from the hotel and we were already like on a roll. We were rolling, too. yeah. And, With excitement. Uh, I, Sure, and booze and yeah. whatever. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, I'm not present company excluded, but we were at a bar. We were at a bar at a really nice Marriott. Anyway, yeah. and that guy, he, I saw, you know, he looked, he looked a little nervous, but then uh, he became like the <laughs> seventh <laughs> member of the crew. He should have, he waited for us. We yeah, got yeah, back he came and, back, yeah. got us. It was amazing. Yeah. Um, so hit, hit me with your questions because I was going to jump into a totally different direction, but I'm going to save it. Well, I just want to just set the scene for the listener. Great. And That's I just good. want to remind everybody like who you are in my life, what you're doing here. Usually, I was going to circumvent that. If I have a guest on, <laughs> yeah. Matthew says, how did you meet Schaefer? Yeah. So Matt, how did you meet Matthew? Um, I believe it was playing soccer. There was a team uh, that was 30 and over. Uh, it was a league in Austin, and I wasn't 30 yet, so I felt pretty bad. It would be, you know, like I was playing against guys that, you know, 30 to me was much older. You know, I was like, these yeah, guys. I think you were 28. I was 28, so I was like, these guys are handicapped because they're older, you know. <laughs> but that was wrong. They were stronger, more skillful. They had wisdom. I didn't know how to play soccer, so I was the one. Like, you had never played soccer before. I, right? I played in, in middle school, you know, but I was the soccer manager in high school which meant keep the bongs in the soccer bag and make sure to be at the game you know, okay. on time. So no, I didn't play soccer, but I started playing goalie and I realized I was outmatched and over. they were oversized. The Nigerian team, the first time we played them, I took a couple of thighs to the head because I was trying to stop the ball. And, and those were like the most, like it was the most powerful, you know, ricochet I've ever experienced in my oh, life. Geez. So I... Is that the reason that you started wearing the headgear? So I started wearing this helmet. It was a, it was a soccer helmet that I found. And uh, not many people wore them, from what I could tell, um, internationally. But um, I, used to, I thought it would be comfortable. So I started wearing it around town, daytime. Uh, check out grocery folks would be like, hey, what's with the thing? I'd say, oh, just protecting the, you know, keeping everything in here, precious cargo. But um, I was soccer goalie on the team with you yeah. and a couple of other mats. And yeah. uh, some guys that I don't know how did you know those guys from the Zilker Park? Um, who were the other guys? Cortez, well, Big Gardner, yeah, you know, that's Adi, a, you know, that's all within our um, friend group, though. yeah. But I mean, you met them playing soccer, yeah, yeah, yeah. that's how I knew. So, that, soccer's that, that, how we met. That's how I knew Beige and Cortez was from soccer, and Wade, Wade, too, Wade had been on that. Well, the team was named after Wade Quackenbush, oh. and we were FC Talon. It yeah. was it was a bunch of guys from like the restaurant business that I played with, and uh, we just were always there at the same time. And so we had set up sort of like like a weekly scrimmage with those guys. That's right. And I knew them before I moved to San Francisco, 
I moved to San Francisco in 2000. I had played with them before. Well, actually, you know what? Beach was telling me maybe not. Beach was saying he wasn't playing soccer in Austin until like, it was like 2003. I was back out at Zilker Park and those guys were with, I had known Cortez and Qbush maybe. Well, so at that time, I was just finding out about health food or, you know, like uh, a nutrition, if you will. And so I was convinced, I'd been told that if you drink coconut water, it would give you electrolytes. You know, they say that okay. they kept soldiers alive during the Vietnam or Korean War with using coconut as IV electrolytes. Okay. Uh-huh. And so I got pulled over after one of our games and I had a bubble tea straw that I used for my coconut to puncture the coconut in my sock. And so the officer was like, you know, he pulls out this massive straw out of my sock. And I was like, that's for drinking coconuts. I was just at a soccer game. Here's my helmet. He's like, all right, it checks out, you know, but it's just really funny to have such a huge straw in my sock. So that's what I remember um, drinking coconuts at the soccer game. That was also his first introduction to health foods. That, that <laughs> yeah. cop. Yeah, that cop's like, wait, he's still a very healthy guy. Coconuts help you with your electrolytes? Okay, well, that that was interesting uh-huh. that you were so um, enthusiastic about soccer and you had never played before. Yeah, well, goalie was perfect for me because I just really wanted to flail. I wanted to throw myself. I wanted to die. I mean, I think after like an initial learning curve, you became a good goalie. No, 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 no. No, no I didn't have the, the – <laughs> you have to have some soccer intelligence to be goalie or you'll just yeah. end up giving the ball to the other team, which I did frequently. Okay. Yeah. But okay. I could stop it or I could at least intimidate them. They thought this guy must be good because he's you know, jumping, diving at everything. Because <laughs> you looked crazy. Because I looked crazy. With so the helmet and everything. But then they realized, oh, I can't really kick it very far. And he's not smart enough to know what to do with the ball once he gets it. So if they just went, hey, 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 I'd roll it out to them and go, oh. So I, I you know, it's, it's ner- you get nervous when you're the goalie because you've got the ball. That's a lot yeah. of pressure, man. And you're the last, yeah. you know, and yeah. everybody's telling you to give the ball to them, right? Like half of your team and half of the other team. Totally. And if the wind's blowing at you a little bit, oh, oh now you're screwed. <laughs> I mean, you can't really get the ball at half field, you know? So I always felt like a a bad goalie, but a but a, a spark plug, if you will. So you were you were the heart and soul of the team. What was the name of the team? By the, the smoothie way? operators. The smoothie operators. And why were we called that? Because I had a smoothie. I had a smoothie bar back then called Daily Juice. Oh, okay. Now. Yeah. I was going to ask because yeah. it's fascinating as I find the history of Austin League soccer in the early no, 90s. No, no, no. Don't change the subject. Mid-90s. Uh, <laughs> I was wondering about your your uh, piercing of the coconut and mm-hmm. where that yep. if that might have been your introduction to juicing. And No, you were. You I, was, a, I was working at this smoothie bar. Daily juice. Yeah, how, how long had you been years, there? A couple oh, years. Oh, is that it? Yeah, yeah. 2001 oh. is when I started. I started working two weeks before September 11th. And uh-huh. I was working at this juice bar on Barton Springs Road right before 9-11. So I was building up a rapport with the customers, you know, and, and a lot of them were kind of like, you know, weird South Austin hippies. So when 9-11 happened, we all had a lot to talk about. And I remember <laughs> everybody had it figured out, right? So I remember that that that, that week. And so um, I knew coconuts were good for you and they could replenish your electrolytes more than Gatorade. So, you know, you just stab it with a straw and on the sideline. In fact, I was bringing it for the team. I was bringing coconuts for the team and yerba mate. Oh, yeah. we you, There was a co- – I, I didn't remember the coconuts, but I do remember the the yerba mate mix. The concentrate. That, that you introduced me Which to. Which is so funny because I just got a shipment <laughs> of this yerba mate concentrate that, that is like – they sent me 100 grams – and they told me that one gr- gram 
Mm-hmm. It's like a serving. Well, let me see here. They sent me a hundred grams. A gram. Oh no, they only sent me like a gram, and they said oh. a mi- a a, mi- a milligram. <laughs> see, I gotta get this all figured out. <laughs> I'm talking like a little bump is like enough for a whole glass of water. Okay. So I'm trying to get this. So I've got this stuff to mess around. That with. That sounds food. dangerous. So it is dangerous, and I realize. Little things can do a lot. You introduced me to yerba mate, and then I found out about Che and yerba mate. Like Che oh. used yerba mate to train to before he went to Cuba, and uh, me being a, a, a huge leftist, I uh, was like, "Oh, well, that's the drink for me." So there you go. Nazis were using methamphetamines, right? The berserkers, right. but Che <laughs> right. was using plant, a natural yerba mate leaf. That's Did right. You? So there we go. No real reason. Could you describe to me the effects of a lot of yerba mate? Yerba mate <laughs> is green tea on steroids. It's yeah. it's not as strong as coffee when it comes to like, if you take four espresso shots, you're going to get jittery, you go up, and then you crash. Yeah. Yerba mate is a slower build, sustained, and then it just kind of like hangs out for a while and you don't crash and you don't feel jittery. So I call it clean burning fuel. It's very clean burning. And hopefully it helps you win soccer matches, which wasn't always the case for us, but it, cer- it certainly kept me peppy for the match. I'll tell you this. If Che had his soldiers on Yerba Mate, Juice Land runs on Yerba Mate as well. Is that right? Like, like in every facet of the business, all the staff is drinking it all day. Well, one time I worked an event for uh-huh, Juice Land. Uh-huh. It was at Fiesta Gardens. I can't remember what the event could have been was. Pachanga Fest, or it could have been maybe. Yeah, and I worked the booth. Hey, isn't Pachanga Fest just saying Festival Fest? <laughs> isn't Pachanga? Is that what it means? Like, yeah, that's right. Yeah, it's like shrimp scampi. I, I, I worked the booth with I had like two Juice Land employees, mm-hmm. and I drank a bunch of yerba mate yeah. that day. And I remember after the thing, feeling like so powerful. I remember a great tightness in my chest. And I was like, well, that was maybe too much. Yeah. It's all about, it, like everything. It's like all everything. about dosage. That's right. It's about dosage. And just, so, like, just like this podcast. So, so, so if you get a good <laughs> dose of, of your mate, it's it's like 160 milligrams of caffeine. So two cups of coffee, basically. But, you know, it, it, it doesn't. Clean you know, burning. It's clean burning. So, okay. so back into. Um, what we're talking about. We were talking about how we met. The early days of Juiceland. So then we started hanging out. Yeah, Daily Juice was 2003 to 2011. And then Juiceland was born in 2011 as a rebrand. And um, stopped playing soccer. We started raising kids. Yeah. So now I see Matt on the softball fields with his daughter. And I'm with my daughter on the softball fields. And I mean, obviously we've, uh, you know, our relationship has... Uh, has yeah, I'm just evolved saying we're not into, playing team sports yeah, anymore. We don't play team sports anymore. Your daughters are like, and now that and now that my daughter's nine, your daughter nine, and now that football's over, like, yeah. what am I going to do? Just go over to your house on a Sunday for no reason? Yeah, you know, you so. can come over for like you done your birthday. See you in and September, have, buddy. Uh, no, the I'm cold kidding. plunge and the, the yes, saunas, of course. And the golf. Thank and you. But this podcast is about creative endeavors. But Schaefer was asking, how old is Isabel? Uh, Isabel's 12? 12 and 15, so they're a little further. Apart. Well, I've, no, I've, got a, I've got a 15-year-old daughter, a 13-year-old daughter, and a 9-year-old daughter. Oh. So. Yeah, similar ages. Yeah, yeah. similar ages. This podcast, I, I keep trying to, in 188 episodes, I can't get us to focus on our the, what the podcast is about. But it's about creative endeavors. Okay. And I would wager to say that Juiceland 
is a creative endeavor. Oh my God, yes. It's live art. Yeah. Yeah, it's live art for me. So the Daily Juice was a one location mm -hmm. and you had helped them expand to two, two locations? We, we had two locations, Barton Springs and Deep Eddy. Yeah. That was with me and my partner. And then they being an investor group and a new franchise group and some just, you know, just a group of people. That some wasn't, jabronis. Yeah. They all wanted to go nationwide with a franchise and, and I kind of stepped out. I said, you yes. guys take that. I just want Deep Eddy and Barton Springs Daily Juices. So I ran those two stores as Daily Juices for several years, even though I didn't have equity in the parent company. Oh. And, and after a while, I realized that's not good. I should be building my own brand, not someone else's brand. Mm -hmm. And so that's why I rebranded. I remember when you rebranded, I was like, what? Yeah. Uh, but the name was catchy. Yeah. I was and going for something that was like what you think. It's maybe been around for a while. Yeah. You know, all encompassing. And then um, you opened up the store on Burnett. This was, Burnett this was like, I, I lived yeah. by Barton Springs. Also, when, when Amy and I... It's interesting. I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, with this branding. Yeah. Daily juice sounds like a chore. <laughs> you got to do your daily juice or yeah. give us this day our daily juice. Yeah. Something like that. Something, Something that you have to do that you don't necessarily want to do. Maybe it's good for you. Yeah. Juiceland sounds juice. like a magical place with two cans and perhaps grass skirts where you're having a fucking party. Yeah, there's like riots and showgirls. So difference between those two brandings is significant. Yeah, I hear you. Move from some reverence and or some, some uh, yeah, to, to more of a fun, to more of a fun thing. So good job there. Thank you. So that was 2012, the third location, Burnett Road in Crestview. Well, and, it was uh, it was at the end of 2011 that I moved. I, I lived right by Barton Springs. And then of course we, we, we lived in a we lived in a condo and we had a kid. So we needed a house. And we moved up to what felt at the time to me like Far North Austin. Siberia. Yes. The gulag <laughs> up at Burnett Road. Totally. And but luckily you opened that store up there. I remember the uh the party we had there before you opened. Is it like a cocktail party? Yeah. I thought we, I might be doing a juice by day, bar by night. It's kind of trying that on for size to see if people want like that idea. And uh, the more I got into it, the more I was like, you know, you can't have a bunch of uh, women coming after yoga and there's dudes sitting there drinking, kind of going like, oh, six o'clock. You know, like it's just, you know, it's, you know, point. I couldn't really cross that. I never crossed that. You could have just asked me to leave. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, no, I remember that night that we, um, I drank a significant amount of hard liquor, mm -hmm. but the next morning I felt really good. And it was, it was the amount of fresh juice that it had been paired with. It like totally negated a hangover. I was like, oh man, that's, that's pretty awesome. There is something to it. If you're drinking purple margaritas at Baby Acapulco versus <laughs> the same amount of liquor and juice. Yeah. You know, you're going to just feel the difference between that, that shite yeah. that they put in there. That was a good time. But you open that store and Wait, I... Fortified I, wine gives you a headache? <laughs> <laughs> slides. You're saying sweet and sour mix. It's the mix. It's um, the mix is what I'm saying. That yeah. location had been like a little Euro restaurant. Yeah, it was called Euro King. And I had been there and it was a very... Um, well, there's the, the Barton Springs shop is like a cool old building and it's so funky and, and Deep Eddie too, the way you like open just like a window at first and the way you like yeah. built it out and, and it was just like, 
that space was in like an old strip mall corner spot, but old strip mall. And it was like, man, I, I just, I, I don't know if I thought this consciously, but looking back, I think, how did you turn that space into like such a cool little eclectic space that it continues to be? And I think it's still one of your best stores, right? Yeah. You know, most of my style guide was like kind of like a, a Pee Wee's Playhouse on a, like, you know, on a mad dog 4040 budget, you know, like just like, just, you know, like cheap, fun, you know, how my clubhouse would look if my wife would let me have one, you know, out back, but she doesn't. So I have these stores and they're just like really just, you know, they're just fun, like thrift store this, fun. This, this is a masterclass in um, building a business around creative, fun things. That's what this guy's done because, um, Every store that opened was like different and interesting and eclectic. And at one point I realized that people are not just here to buy smoothies. Mm -hmm. They're here to buy a little piece of Austin cool, mm -hmm. you know, and like at, at you imbuing the shops with that funky vibe like and you did and you were doing it like over and over. how many stores you got now? We're at 38. And 30. what I'll tell you is we've, we've now we're more about just people just really want smoothies. I know. Okay. I know. I, I know. I know how it's changed. Yeah, yeah. We're not talking about what it is now. No, we're talking about how yeah. you built it. Well, I'm I'm interested in your well, creative process. So the third one was at the Spider House. There was a tattoo parlor behind the Spider House, and the guy that owns the Spider House is one of the great Austin um, icons, Conrad, who did I Love Video and Spider House, and he was a juice drinker. He said, Hey, I've got this, like, you know, this garage apartment, you know, there's out back. Do you think you want to put a juice land in there? And I was like, sure. And so we did. And after about a year, the health inspector came through and was like, Hey, what, what, what is this? And we're like, it's our juice bar. And he goes, where are your permits? I was like, what do you mean? This is the spider house and we're juice land and we're on the property. Yeah. And they're like, no, you know, that's not how it works. And we're like, well, what do you mean? So we had to close that one down. Better to ask and then forgiveness than yeah, permission. Well, yeah, and because you know the Spider House also had that Austin charm, and you know there was like kind of free for all. Yes, you know, I yes, yeah, I remember. It was amazing. <laughs> uh, there's a bar there now called Tweedies. Okay, um, which is the guys from Volstead, maybe or Hotel Vegas. I'm not sure, but it's a um, it's trying. Spider House still has you know the old Spider House still has a lot of soul, mm. but I don't think there's campus culture. Like we remember it. In fact, oh. I'll wager there is less partying and less fun being had around the UT area than in the history of the college. Mm. And I think it might be because of all the engineers or all of the like students that are just not partying. I, oh, there's just, a big backlash against it, you know, with all of the, you know, hazing and the people, you know, yeah. dying from, you know. I'm not talking about fraternity hazing. I'm talking about well, cool kids just, too. Just regular yeah, but, partying. Yeah, people, but, you know, people, uh, Getting alcohol poisoning and people and the drunk driving thing. Okay, it's yeah. The so college campuses know. are definitely different than they were. They, they the are. They are. And I don't different. think that's necessarily a bad thing. You know. I mean, I think there's also the thing where kids these days they're not doing, they're not drinking and they're not doing drugs like they were because they're getting their dopamine receptors serviced by their devices. Yes. Like the same pleasure that we would chase yes. out and about and with substances, it's it, the phone. The phones are actually the the social media. Like they're doing TikTok dances and they're and waiting for the lights. Saying, you know, and like as the lights pour in, teenage pregnancies down. You know, like all of this stuff. You like you look at it and you're like, is this a good thing? 
Well, yeah, sure, we missed we missed the partying and the fun, but all of this bottom line is what you would say is a good thing. I don't know. Yeah, well. I don't think anybody should be getting too much dopamine from their tablets, but yeah. also, like, even, like, my my dad, Dr. Grant Hall, like, the other day, he finally caved and got a smartphone, and the other day when he, he and his friends were visiting the front page, you could tell he was excited to take it out, take pictures of his friends, being able to immediately send it to his other friends. Yeah. Like, nobody is immune to the pleasures no. of a smartphone. Yeah, I know. I know. So, so, but then, they, then if you want to, then if you want to raise your kids to have, you know, some, some screen self-control, then you have to have screen self-control. Like my, my wife asked one of the, one of the elementary school mothers, like, wait, your kids, like your, your kids already have phones or whatever. And this, this mom who we like and respect, she was like, well, we're not very good examples. About right. It, you know? So this is to a fourth grader or a fifth grader. Uh, yeah. I think Somewhere it was about there. that time. Well, yeah. so they, speaking of, we are the world should be coming back to like, the commercial, you know, get off your screen. You just saw your screen. Time. I learned to watch you, you dad. <laughs> that needs to yeah. come back. Yeah. We, we, Parents who we use should, smartphones have I, children who use smartphones. I think, I think that I think we're going to make that bit for uh, for our Instagram page. Great, <laughs> let's do it. Uh, let's get back to just um, my house. And... So, so here's another aspect of Juiceland that I want to ask you about for the record. Please, you've you've done so many creative marketing uh-huh, things. Uh-huh. I've got one going on right now. Marketing stunts. I got um, one going on right now. Okay. Yeah. Tell us about it. What's okay. what's your what's your creative process? When you when you think of something, throw caution to the wind. <laughs> okay, yeah. Okay. Err on the side of that was fun. Maybe not a good idea. Well, tell tell us uh, so about some. Tell us about this one, but tell yeah. us about some of your favorites over the years, so, and I'll fill in the. So gap. This is my favorite. So there's a Dallas Mavericks player who came on the team, and they the Mavericks have this Instagram account where they photograph the players getting on the plane to go to the games in other cities. So it's like a style thing, you know. So it's like a famous. You know, what's this person wearing? What, what's the fit? So this guy was holding like four Juiceland smoothies in every picture they took. So on Instagram, it would say like, you know, Dallas Mavericks official account sponsored by Hotels.com. And this guy, Spencer Dinwiddie, is holding four large Juicelands. Like, this is the best free advertising I've ever had in my life, you know? So it continues to happen. Finally, we start like kind of chiming in like, yeah, you know, Spencer's our guy and we love him and this is what's in his drink. And I'm sure people at the Mavericks and his and his agent are like, hey, dude, you're giving this, this company so much free press. You should monetize it. So they reached out to us and said, hey, you know, we see that Spencer and you have a relationship with social media. Do you want to sponsor him and be it? I was like, I was like no, no, I'm just trying to pay my employees. Like, yeah. I don't have extra money for a sponsorship with an athlete. So they're like, all right, well, can you get free smoothies? I was like, sure, we'll give them free smoothies. With the agent said that? His agent said that. So this, this is like six million, you know, impressions every time they put his picture on the yeah, official. Yeah, that's, you know, that's worth it. It's massive. <laughs> so during the playoffs, he had a shitty game and everybody was like, he's drinking too many smoothies. Like everybody in the comment section was like, he needs to eat meat smoothies. So I went in there and I, for the Juice Land account, I said, hey, everybody, we talked to Dirt and Whiskey. We figured out what the problem is. He wasn't getting extra peanut butter and smoothie. We guarantee a win tonight. And this was during the Western Conference Finals. <laughs> so everybody on the, you know, the Mavericks fans who maybe not my customer base, I don't know. DFW is a big market, but people that didn't know us all of a sudden knew about us. Yeah. And they were watching this. They're like, you, you better. You guaranteed it. You know, we're watching. So he goes out that night and has like 
eight three-pointers, scores 30 points. <laughs> my kids are jumping off the couch into my arms. It's, it's going viral. Everybody's like, it's the smoothies, it's the smoothies. So we love this guy. I met him. He came to my shop. He met my kids. You know, we talked. We had this really cool, like, rapport. And then he got traded. Oh, no. Fuck, he got traded for Kyrie Irving. It's like the worst. Like, my meal ticket got traded. Well, right now, he got dropped by the Brooklyn Nets. He's in free agency. He's deciding between Dallas and Los Angeles. So everybody in Dallas wants him back. So I have been very apt. So I said, well, Spencer, we miss you. We love you. Come home to Dallas. Be the legend that you are. Let's get to the playoffs together. Free smoothies for life if you come back to Dallas. So, you know, it went a little viral. Uh-huh. Like 150,000 you know, impressions, uh-huh. 2.5, 2,500 retweet, you know, so all okay. this stuff. So he's deciding today, right now. In fact, he might have already made the decision. Do you think he's seen it? Oh, he did. He, so he liked two tweets. Okay. One from the right. Lakers group that said, this is why we want Spencer, and they showed a highlight reel, and then one from Juice Land. Said, come back to Dallas. So his agent called me yesterday. His new agent. Hey man, you want to give him some equity? I was like, no. <laughs> I was like, uh, wait, he called. Yes, what? Yeah. Some equity? The, yes. She. Because that's the new deal. The NBA players they get like a little equity in a business oh, and they yeah. promote it. You oh know? my god. That's I, why. That's why Shaq and Peyton are pushing Papa John's. There yeah, you go. Like, yeah. Like uh, all these little models. They don't do it for free. Too. Yeah. Well, free. yeah. I mean, didn't think they could do it for free, but I thought it would be like, you know, a flat fee or. No, uh, no. no they're, now they're actually building in equity into certain like. Not if their agents know what they're doing. Exactly. And it sounds like his agents are doing right. Well, and I know what I'm doing too, because I'm walking the guy down the primrose path. So, you know, if he comes to Dallas, we can talk. I can't agree to anything right now. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So the agent's like, oh, okay. His agent got his agent has your direct line? Yeah. Yeah. He, yeah. Just, he just calls you up. Yeah, he called me up. And I, <laughs> but you never want to answer numbers because it's usually yeah, senior yeah. meds right. or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. I answered this one yesterday. I was doing some mulch in the backyard. I was like, hey, this is so-and-so in LA and I'm Spencer's agent. What's, what's going on, man? You want to you work this out? I was like, let's let him decide. I'm not going to give him anything if he doesn't come to Dallas. So let's <laughs> right. talk after he makes a decision. So anyway, if he does come to Dallas, it will be uh, a juice land. You know, here's one one guy, please, you know, please ask Spencer to come to Dallas. And here's a picture of me and Spencer talking <laughs> in the shot last year. So it looks like it might be current. So I'm basically kind of, I'm a little over my skis. I don't, you know, I don't think so. This is Making people think that I'm actually, you know, negotiating with this NBA player. No, this is influence like your music so, that's real power you know I'm, coercion is not power influence Matt, i can't power. help but put my brain in the brain of his agent I, let's keep talking about this okay so <laughs> yeah okay Schaefer, guy, okay Schaefer, you play the agent my guy here i want i want to bring my, my guy's dying to come to dallas he wants to come to dallas he just needs a little more reason to come to dallas oh like i'm not saying then what he plans to sign with the lakers oh the report says Oh, well, I'm saying just fell to their knees somewhere is what people are saying. Oh, well. Uh, what? The, yeah. This is happening right now? Right now. Right now. Right now. <laughs> Cold. I said, come Can back. Get the robot? There he is with the drinks. There he is with the drinks. Breaking news. It's, but, but he, hasn't, he hasn't signed yet. So it's not done. It's not done. Hey. It's not done. I'm holding out. Yeah. I'm making one more phone call to Matt Shook here. What I told his saying, agent. Yeah. All right. You give us some equity. Let's. Uh, so now we're talking about. Say we do no, a national. We did. We do a national television campaign starring my guy. No, no, no. We're Juice Land's only in Texas, so we're only going to talk about Texas. Okay, Texas te- so statewide. How about this statewide? The, the, prime time. 
The next Super Bowl ad. The no, 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 we can't afford any of that. We're too small. The next Juice Land we open in Dallas, if he signs with Dallas, we can look at giving him a piece of that piece. store oh, to get people out to that store. To to. Yeah, one location. All right, so I'm going to come back at you with the zip code. Yep. Maybe any open within the zip code. I would, I would have go. you ever done sports? <laughs> I, no, I swear, I have never done it before. Pick a suburb <laughs> in Dallas where Juice doesn't have a presence, and that's how we can get a lot of eyes on that store. Because you just want to be on people's yeah, radar, sense, right? Yeah. Doesn't mean you're going to outside of Dallas. Player. Who the hell cares if you got a Dallas player exactly. supporting you? Exactly. And it sounds like, as I told his agent this, and if you're in Dallas, don't take this the wrong way, but you know, LA is way cooler. You know. Yeah. Who would pick Dallas over LA? Someone raising a family. Hey, all right, man. I'm going gonna to call my guy and I'm going to get back to this. <laughs> I told his agent, Dallas is a great place to raise a family versus LA. Also, he's like already been there too. He's yeah. Like, and, and he took us to the Western Conference Finals. We had some mojo yeah. together. He was a star player that year. But I mean, it, you're, like, you're already in the conversation. Oh, like, earthquakes? You're, you've already won. Anybody bring up earthquakes? <laughs> Does he know about the earthquakes? I'm going to hit him with that. <laughs> Real quick, yeah. I'm just gonna. I'll text his agent right now. Okay, what nice flower yeah. wants to know? Okay, yeah. I'm gonna text. I'm gonna text Spencer's agent right now. Have y'all talked about the earthquakes? Okay, this, this is the this? first high level negotiating we've ever had on the podcast. Okay, okay, here goes, guys. Ready? Have y'all talked about the earthquakes at all? <laughs> Where's <is> Spencer from? <laughs> so, okay. uh, uh, what magical listeners? We just sent that text. Let's see what to happens. To his agent. Okay. <laughs> so anyway, back to the other, which which marketing endeavor do you remember that you enjoyed from, from Juiceland? Well, there's the, um, there's the banana car. So, so there's a guy. That <laughs> we can talk about the banana man. car. Oh, so the, the Austin, sorry, the Houston art car parade. Which is, Houston is the center of the art car universe. I worked on an art car for Burning Man in Placerville, California with a guy who was there from Houston and he was like all about that. This year will be my first time to attend the Art Car Parade. I've been trying oh, to go oh. for like eight or nine years. Oh, when is that? It's it's in April. Oh, I want to go with. Yeah. The, the guy who did yeah. the steel work for, I've been wanting to get him on the show. The guy who did the steel work for Mongoose versus Cobra is one of the granddaddies of that scene. Of the scene. Oh. Yeah. So it, during the um, Rangers um, epic meltdown last year where they were they, they lost like 40 to zero to the Astros in a four game series. It was the most runs ever, the most run differential ever. Yeah. I was sitting in a bar in downtown Houston called Sonny's. You know Sonny's downtown? Yeah. And and these two guys next to me were Astros fans and I'm a Rangers fan. And we struck up a conversation and they work with the Orange House, which is the Art Car Parade's headquarters. Yeah, yeah. And through that chance encounter, Juice Land became the sponsor of the Austin Art Car Parade. Now we provide all the juice for their galas and their cool. Oh, there's an Austin Art Car Sorry, Parade? Sorry, I, I got the Houston, Houston. The Houston. Okay. So anyway, I, I just got uh, that sponsorship going about six months ago. And we're super excited to be an official sponsor. of the So how did park. you meet that guy? We were, like I said, we were watching the Rangers Astros. Oh, no, 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 I mean, and those guys were the guy that built the banana. So car. he was in Houston for the Art Car Parade, and I said, "Hey, would you slap a Juice Land sticker on that thing for a week? You know, for a fee?" And he said, "Definitely." And I was like, "Well, will you drive it to Austin and pick my kids up from school for a fee?" And he was oh, like, oh, it was definitely. it was already a banana. It was he already, had already a built a banana. I put a logo on it. Then I gave him a place to stay. I have an extra, you know. Little Airbnb. So I gave him a place to stay, gave him some money. Next thing I know, 
he comes down twice a year and hangs out in Austin. And I put him up and he drives around picking up my friends, kids from school, <laughs> picking up random people from Twitter, from work. And they say, can he come get me? I'll say, either be ready at 315. And then they, they come out of their office and there he is. So, so yeah, we have a lot of fun with the banana car, but we don't own it. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's fantastic. Yeah. That's That's the best way. It, it, it is, and at the same time, I wish I had it at my disposal more often. Oh, yeah. You know, I miss it when it's gone. So you could put the, you could shine the banana car signal in the sky and yeah. it would come out of the the banana boat. Oh, yeah. Or out of the banana cave. Well, then, yeah, <laughs> then, you know, anytime, you know, you and the kids want to go to ACL Festival or. That's right. So I'm trying to have a watermelon made, you know, like a long watermelon or a cucumber or something that would seat more people. And I, I can't <laughs> seem to get very far down the road. So if anybody out there, uh, wants to help me make a can't do fruit cucumbers because of what they symbolize. Well, I mean, they symbolize cool. Cool as a cucumber. It's cooling. <laughs> well, it's also, hot. it's a watermelon. Cucumber is not your number one uh, smoothie ingredient. No, watermelon is way to go. A little, little green with the red. It's the, the uh, our car parade is April thirteenth. Was that DJ Shadow? That was an that was a minor blues box. It did sound like run the jewels one. Yes, yeah, run the jewels. Yeah, jewels. Um. So this one time you were I don't remember the circumstance. You were in maybe were you wearing a Trump mask and you were down on South Congress? Maybe that wasn't. Maybe that was just. I got a Trump mask. Maybe that was just performance. It was performance art. I had a sign that says, "I like ketchup on my steaks." That was. I think that was a B major blues box. Just <laughs> that's what that was. I think so. Yeah. I, I like ketchup on my steaks. Is my sign that I had in my Trump mask that I, that I wore in South Congress. So this brings up the point where it's really hard to tell the difference between your real life and and performance art and marketing. It's and true. a marketing stunt. Like though they all really sort of blend together. Did we do any? Like we didn't. Obviously, when we went to the game, we didn't do any juice land marketing, but there have been no, other- no, no. Actually, we did, and that's how I wrote that off because I was giving out some coupons. For oh, juice okay, land. okay, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, my favorite was we opened the Houston Medical Center, and I had a huge inflatable, uh, you know, unicorn, pink with the big horn. You know, and they have the double. You know, you get them on Amazon. They have fans and they inflate. And I had a big jam box playing Jimmy Wines riding my pony, you know, this one pony, riding my pony. And the way I could move was to get the, the I could twerk in this unicorn. <laughs> so to have a group of doctors with their med students, you know, interns like standing at the stoplight, waiting to cross with me while I'm playing that and then trying to keep a straight face and finally giving in. You know, and, and dancing with the, you know, the unicorn to, to pony. everybody loves genuine pony. Yeah. 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 Well, and the unicorn, you know, there's something subversive and kind of weirdly sexual about a unicorn dancing to it too, you know, just, well, that brings that weird. That, that brings me to another point about having participated in the performance art at Jerry world with you. Mm -hmm. The real thrill of all that is, is the interaction with your audience. I mean, any, any, any artist or performer will tell you that the, like the payoff is, is the interaction with the audience. Um, and I, I'm a person who I, I'm missing the piece in my brain that makes me embarrassed for myself. Right. I think you might me have, too. This, I think you might have the same deformity. That's right. And, um, <laughs> and, um, so like, you know, like at Jerry world and you're in that Seahawks thing, it was, a, it was pretty high concept 
like people would look at you and they would think, oh, that guy's a Seahawks fan. Yeah. And it and it took them a minute to read the sign and realize that you're making a commentary about a Seahawks fan. And I just I love. Most of them didn't, by the way. I Most love, of them that, didn't so I love the ones that don't. I, mm-hmm. I mean, of course, I love the people that take a minute and look at it and smile, give us dap or whatever. Mm-hmm. But I also really love all the discomfort that it creates, yes. you know, and I, as a huge devotee of karaoke, it's so thrilling. You know, most people don't like karaoke because it makes them uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. When somebody is on stage do, being terrible at karaoke, it makes everybody cringe inside. And I don't know, I get off on that. Totally. No kink shaming here, but my kink is if people being very uncomfortable. Especially if they're just doing it and just belting it out and just not giving a fuck. That's wonderful to see. Well, and that, that's beautiful. That's one aspect. There's the other aspects of like somebody thinks they're really good. Oh, yeah. They're no, bad. The, 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 the awkward. I don't, or yeah, or I don't there's, there's like... The people who actually are very good. You know, that's thrilling too. So what is the German word for <laughs> Schadenfreude? Not realizing how bad you are at karaoke and Matthew mm. getting off on it. <laughs> so so as I go about my day, I want to see things that are different. I need novelty. I want something interesting. I don't want the same things repeating, right? Same yada yada. So so that's why I do what I do, is because I'm trying to shake things up. I want to give someone a little bit of what was that? Something just, you know, a, a data point to process. Really, art is the best thing for that. So bring it to, you said, performance art. Yeah. So, yeah, I try to do performance art throughout my day. So let's talk about the wordplay. Yes. Ju- the Juiceland menu is absolutely chock full of wordplay. Not as much as it used to I know. Be. I, I'm going to get to, to your the, the corporate changes here. Yeah. The, at the Burnett store, uh-huh. you had the mural at the entrance it was just the name of a smoothie extra jalapeno yeah you know mm-hmm. spelled x t r a hala h o l l a pain yo p a n yo such a clever piece of wordplay and there was a dude with holding the smoothie and he like was like pain on his face and recently it got painted over it did as part of I know you, your company has grown beyond you, and it, this happens to this happens to any successful business. It just you, you got to let go of the vine, and you've turned it over to people who know about franchising and marketing, right? And, well, and so, did, no, 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 there's no franchising. No, no, it's still, I'm it's still, still marketing. Okay, I'm still ahead, but but, every, is, but everything's getting a little more streamlined. Well, and the thing is, is as I get older, I realize it's not worth it to mess with people too much. You know, oh, I see. so it's like putting pain. Is that someone, was that the thought? Did yeah, somebody point word, out maybe just, maybe people don't want pain? Exactly. Yeah, when they're when they're enjoying a nice <laughs> treat or beverage, maybe pain is not. You know. Well, I have loved the wordplay over the years. I think you 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 are excellent at it. Well, so we did a smoothie a couple of years ago. Super fun guy, you know. Super fun guy, and it had mushrooms. You know, in some it. rishi, some lion's yeah, mane, all the cordyceps and all that, uh-huh. and I loved that one. So, so I, you know, someone on social media last week was like, "Super fun guy, I finally get it." You know, favorite, favorite <laughs> drink. So, so there's some good ones in there. Um, let's see if I can think of, um, you know, we did Orange Moon this month, which is an Erica Badu song. Cause we're trying to get her to be our celebrity smoothie endorser in Dallas. Oh man! So we did a, a smoothie with her song, 
baked into it. So she's seen that, we've heard. That would be a good get. I would love to get her. Supposedly she comes in the shop a lot, so we're trying to trying to meet her. Um, but yeah, lots of fun names over the years. And uh, the most popular is um, not really a pun, but the show Wonder Chosen. We have a smoothie called Wonder Chosen named after the show Wonder Chosen. And we opened a store in Brooklyn in 2014, and we were in the lobby standing and looking at the menu, and in comes the guy from Girls that's in the basement. I can't remember his name. He's one of the characters that wears a knit cap, and he's with a guy. And they're like, oh, Wonder Shows. And I was like, yeah, this is our smoothie. It's a show. He goes, yeah, no, it's my show. I, I created the show. I live upstairs. <laughs> and we were like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Weird. We love the show. Yeah. He's like, yeah, I'm honored that you guys would use the name. Oh, he's only cool. had one season. Do you remember Wonder Show? I, I, yeah. No. Yeah. yeah. It was like Sesame Street on Acid. Uh-huh. Was it, is it the guys from one of the guys from the state? Did they make that? I don't know who made it. Wonder Shows in his show with a lot of puppets and a lot of cartoons, okay. and it's very subversive. Okay. And I highly encourage anybody listening to watch the, the show. The show Wonder Shows in W U N D R S H. Well, I didn't mean to um, suggest that you had turned your company over to no corporate entities. That uh-huh. are, I, I just I wasn't sure. I I did notice that things in the shops had become more. Streamline. It, it, it makes it, it uh, makes slightly it, less funky. Yes, that's right. And that's kind of on purpose. We're just trying to get you to like the, the menu is enough, honestly. You know, the menu yeah. is enough, you know, and, and who we are is enough. We don't need to like have it be, you know, that zany or eclectic. Well, it's like, you know, I, I always enjoyed the eclectic nature of the shops and all the things to look at. And it was like a, also things a can curio. be zany and eclectic without a marketing bent, too. If you let things go, and they can find their own zany and eclectic. Well, the problem is, is that then the staff adds to it, and then we disagree <laughs> because it's my apartment, not your apartment. You know, and the next thing you know, I'm like, take that down, leave my stuff up, and then it gets kind of weird. <laughs> so just it, it invites a weird like, who gets to put stuff up? And it used oh, to, right. you know, yeah. and I can't make All it around right. enough to, you know. And next thing you know, this got some cobwebs, and then there's. Some stuff I guess around. that's the difference between. Having one business and having several, yeah, yeah. or thirty-eight, yeah, totally. <laughs> when when you were younger, mm-hmm. did you see yourself as an artist, as a creative, as a, as a poet? No, I didn't. Um, let's see here. When did I start getting into that, into poetry? Well, I guess in high school, actually. Oh, you know what? When I started reading, like on the road, when I read on the road, started reading some William S. Burroughs, that kind of stuff. You know, got into beat poetry, you know, Allen Ginsberg. Then I found it real easy. And so I remember I wrote my wife. My now wife, 28 years ago, we met. I wrote her this cool, like, long poem, this freestyle poem about her, uh, her little blue Chevy car that she drove, and that she could pick me up and take me riding around town. And so, so yeah, I was writing poetry back in high school. Okay, and and I, of course, invited you to talk today, and and I, like we tell everybody, which is kind of. Is it is it tongue in cheek that we're a poetry podcast, Shapi? Uh, that's kind of all been your uh, your thing. <laughs> oh, I thought it was really a well. No, I mean it, it is, and we always read a poem at the end. Yeah. But I think it's funny. I I, I think it's a performance art because people go. You tell people you got a podcast, and they of course say, "Ooh, what's your podcast about?" It's about and, two men <laughs> search for community, comedy, and comfort in the modern world. Yes. But I like to start with, well, we're a poetry podcast. See, because I know what saying what saying the word poetry does to most people. 
turns so I, them I off. I try to back in that one. <laughs> I'm not the greatest marketer. <laughs> well, so to me, stand-up is poetry. There's, the, yeah, there's the, all that the stuff. The cadence, the cadence. We can talk about what poetry is yeah. all day long, man. I love to have that conversation. Yeah. I'm talking about what the word poetry does yeah. to the average human being. Sure. And it does not make them want to download your it, podcast. It's like jazz. Right. They're like, eh. Uh, right. We'll see. Yeah. And which, once again, I disagree. Yeah. If you told me that I, I have a poetry, I have a, I have a, I have a podcast <laughs> that is me reading poems with jazz in the background, <laughs> I'm going to listen to that podcast all day long. It's probably going to be all I listen to for the rest of my life. Yeah. But that's, yeah, the rest of the world does yeah. not necessarily see things my way. So I've, should, I've should, come to accept that. So should I tell people that we're a porn podcast? <laughs> yeah, if you want to get the downloads. Because I do want to get some downloads. Yeah. And it's tra- I switch it up and just give it a try. Tell, tell them more about um, porn and narcotics addiction recovery or, uh, and an unsolved murders okay. or whatever. Unsolved murders. I'm, cha- I'm changing it up. Unsolved murders. <laughs> Um, don't say I, don't, I don't want to get people don't here under false pretenses, but but then then I told then I said to you, hey, bring a bring a poem. But that's poem. the thing, and I thought you might just bring like a, you know Robert Frost. That's the thing is you say so your po- the you say your podcast is about poetry. Nobody's going to listen. But if in the middle of your podcast podcast it's kind of about everything, you read a good poem. Nobody's going to everybody's going to be like, oh yeah, that is a good poem. I, but we save it for the end. Do you think that's the right thing to do? That's <laughs> just the way that uh, the way that our things worked out. We 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 do some. It, <laughs> I'm gonna have a hard time not telling people. Well, I was I, so, so I, I didn't bring a poem. I brought my poetry scroll. It's got about forty. Or 50 I was gonna describe points. your show. So listener, <laughs> Matt scroll ha, Matt Shook has this amazing scroll of this kind of. Ricey papyrus like paper, yeah. and he's used what looks like a black sharpie, sharpie to write an endless. Well, it ends. Do you think about it as one poem or a it, bunch no, of no, different no, poems? No, no, it's a bunch of different poems. And so when I was writing it out, I remember the day I was I was doing it, it was on Bark Springs Road, and I got about I was almost done, and I look up and there's Dan Rather, and he's standing there wearing some shorts, and he and he goes, "Well, what are you working on there, son?" And I, I look up and I. Oh, that's my poetry scroll. And he goes, oh, that's nice. And he, and he walks off. And I was like, well, that was cool. I mean, you know, he's... When I came to college at UT, yeah. my grandmother said, well, Matthew, you know, Dan Rather lives in Austin. You should contact him and let t- get, to, get to know him. And maybe he can you help you with your Dan. ambitions. Well, you should have. I know. I know. She had a lot of great advice that I didn't take. I'm I, sorry. I, I bet he would have been all over like giving you a little tutelage. So what's the time period? Uh, this was written probably between like 98 and 2003. And a lot of it is probably um, when I was bored at work. And also I was heartbroken. My wife and I were split at the time. So we were high school sweethearts, took a break in our 20s. And then we got back together when we were about 25 years old, 26 years old. Anyway, so a lot of poems are about her or I was doing slam poetry in Austin. Where were you going for slam poetry? The Hideout Theater. Oh yeah, on Congress we had a slam. Thing Spider going. House had a slam. Spider House had a thing. Slam, yeah. yeah. The Spider House one moved over to Native now. I I was in creative writing at Austin Community College like ninety eight, ninety nine, and I still see a lot of those folks around town that were in my class with me. You cool. Know? So yeah, I still see a lot of them doing their thing, and we all kind of look back on fond memories because I, I went to YouTube. You guys, I've been meaning to have more readings at the bar. You guys should have a reunion reading at the bar. We should just get everybody you know. 
Yeah. My friend Yadira, she's in the, the band of Vapor Caves. Cool. And my friend Ren, who does Taco Bronco. Oh, yeah. So those are just two of the folks I'm thinking of that were like in my creative writing or slam poetry worlds. Um, I went to UT for three weeks, I think. and um, <laughs> That was your college career? Yeah, and I did RTF. Okay, okay. Writing for television film. Well, sounds like you and I have very similar <laughs> higher <laughs> education I've been there for a month, I think. Maybe a month. Well, you learned what you needed to know. I did. You moved on. But like, can I read this one point real quick? Yeah. Oh, wait. No, not, not, don't go quick. I know. You got to like, I say, this, he, this guy is a great poet and he yeah. reads them too quick. Okay. Savor each word. Okay. And, and, and. Okay, and this is the last one on the scroll. I hear everything too quickly. So, and it's funny because we said the word papyrus. So here it's. Pamperus, papyrus, mother us too. Raised for boiling wealth pot stew. Money makes all ill taste like honey sprinkled equal amounts of dope work. Runny cakes grizzle based psych banshee. Screaming nickel plates, plain wasted food. Ensuing sewer picking pieces of cotton dollars and sludge wounded city skin. Pestering hives craving colon bowel ointments. Homes on outskirts ripped open with lascivious intent. Money makes the world growl sound. Deep in recesses of schoolyard abscesses, God bless us for our flag, lost in chunked, junk, cold presses, monetarily infested with swag. I think that the success of Juiceland has robbed the world of a great poet. (laughs) You got too busy with business. You need to get back to slam poetry, sir. Well, you know, I I always look back fondly on on being able to read that. Like that was so fun for me. And I see now how musicians probably like to play their same songs over and over again. Because like that's the best I've ever felt reading that. Just now? Just now. Nice. That's the best I've ever felt reading that poem. And uh, is it poem? 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 <laughs> Shavy, do I say poem funny? <laughs> <laughs> but but that's the best I've ever felt doing it just just with the enunciation and, and the meaning and so it's actually 20 years old and I don't read them very often but that, that was it's that, timeless felt good 20 years old 20 felt years good. nothing man yeah. there is a section of America and I don't know which one it is that does pronounce it poem you're right but I don't know like maybe that's yeah, like Southern Kansas or something. You know, Do you think like, that that's the like, section that Texas is always trying to secede from? Just like they only call them access roads in Houston, they don't call them that anywhere else. Or yeah, access roads. everybody else calls them feeders or something. Huh. I think I call it the frontage road. Frontage, yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, because Houston is the only place in the world where they call them access roads <laughs> for some reason. Huh. Weird scene. And then in New Jersey, they call water fountains bubblers. Ooh, no a sip of the bubbler. A sip of the bubbler. I think I think that was all my questions. Okay. Did you say that you just before this you were at Hazel's first basketball first game? First basketball game. She went coast to coast for the last play of the game, rebound, took it down, laid it up. Uh yeah, my nine year old daughter and I have a very tumultuous relationship right now. She's a she's a tyrant and she's hilarious, but also she she uh, she doesn't want to listen to me because she doesn't want to be told what to do. So Trying to figure out how to not tell a nine-year-old what to do. Well, the last time I was at your house, she was torturing you, mm-hmm. and uh, boy, she's really got her. So can thing, I tell you her why? Finger on the button. Can I tell you why I asked to come on the podcast? Yes. Okay. Oh, we maybe, we, was... maybe, maybe we should have started with that. <laughs> That's weird. We were cool. And you, you oh, I thought it was because you were a big no. fan of the podcast. <laughs> mm, I mean, I'm not a huge fan of the podcast. I only started listening recently. 
Um, I'm looking forward to catching well, up. Well, good, because we only got good recently. So <laughs> yeah, perfect. Right. You're, you're getting in at the right time. Well, and so, and I was going to bring this up before you started asking me all these softball I questions. I think this episode is a market improvement I over. I don't think it's softball questions. Those were softball These questions. Were the hard-hitting no, things no, I listen, wanted to no, know about the, your creative process. The hard-hitting thing was that, you know, I'm coming up on uh, next month. It'll be four years since my father passed away. And I know your dad passed away last month. And so I know that was tough for you. And it was tough for me thinking about it because I, I, what I want to tell you is, is that I have not processed it. Oh. So it's been four years. I haven't done that. You seemed like you were in the thick of it in the past month of like really oh, feeling it and able to say that you're processing it. And so I remember texting you, good, good. You should process it. You should feel it. You should lean into it. You know, you shouldn't put it to the side. And so then I was like, oh man, I just come on the podcast and say those words and see if there's any kind of like magical unblocking for me. Cause I still got, I'll be on four years now where I've just kind of been like, I'll get to that. Is that right? You just put it aside. I definitely haven't done the the work or the, of the honoring I want to do or like the speaking, you know, I, I haven't done, I've just kind of, I did the funeral. I did the obituary. I was very, you know, present for that. And I was very emotional, but there's a whole nother segment of just like um, having compassion for my dad or forgiving him, like any of that kind of stuff. The stuff that I want to do to kind of well honor his his um, his being without just him being like my dad who didn't do everything perfect. Right. Which I think you want to probably say that about your dad. No, no, no. Didn't do everything perfect. There's some resentments. <laughs> I mean, didn't do everything perfect. Come on. He was kind of a shitty dad. Did I was going to say, Did you listen dad. to the episode, two episodes back where I talk about my dad? I didn't. You should. Okay. Listen, you should listen to episode 186 because it's good, right? Yeah. I want to listen to it. Uh, um, I want to listen to it. I, let me tell you this. Yeah. I, 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 I think you know this. I've been in therapy for seven years now. It, mm. was, uh, it was spring of 2017 and I had... I had left my job at the beer distributor about a year before and I had been at this other job and I had little bitty kids at the house and the job and my situation just like broke my brain and really like forced all these issues to the surface. Yep. And I got in therapy, thank God, because things have happened. Um, I, I mean, therapy has me in a place where I can process it and I have had before my dad passed even i was i had really been able to see him in a human light like he was and be forgiving and think about how his upbringing didn't put him in a position to be a good dad and and now that he's gone i spent so much time being mad at him mm -hmm. and being just angry over the years and now i'm just like what a waste yep what what a bunch of wasted emotion and I'm hoping that that can influence how I move forward in my life and not hold grudges and not be mad at people for bullshit, it perceived slights. So the book my wife has on the table for me is, you know, um, you know uh, no, seriously, <laughs> it's like, it's like oh table. yeah, it's like, it's like um, if you had immature parents, you know, how, you know, or emotionally immature parents. And, you know, instead of carrying that forward, you know, everybody's talking about breaking the cycle or whatever, but it's like learning how to have the wisdom where you're not tied to the emotion. You're more observing, you know, 
And so for me with my nine-year-old, like I'm too tied to either being right or making her understand the way the world works and tie those things versus just being, you know, emotionally mature enough to just like make her feel safe and make her feel heard and just let her be, let her be a crazy little kid and not try to put all this stuff on her. So, so yeah, but what you just described is like, that's some hard shit. It's that's very hard. the hardest stuff in the world, like dealing with your kid. And, yeah, but you but you did it with your dad, where you undid the need to be tied to judging him and changing him, just to be like, oh, that was a waste of time. I could just be more compassionate. So I want to do that to for my daughter on the flip, you know, while I've still got this time, because it's gotten to a point where we're like really butting heads. Mm. Right. And I feel like it's going to be a lifelong I, thing. I, if I, I, have an, I have a nine-year-old too. And it, I think, I think it's developmental what you're saying about her. Like out, out when you're nine, you know, everything. I'm not, don't tell me. I know I've got, you know, know. It's, yeah. it's, it's another age where you think you have something figured out. And, and of course, from our perspective, we know that they're just barely not babies, but other kids will accept that, that, that maybe they don't know everything and they'll take a little guidance. They're, yeah, you can't, you can't compare your kid with other kids because other people are different and that kid, those kids... Or you can compare one of your kids I mean, to another I mean, one of your I mean, kids. You, you, That's what I'm doing. They're going to be very you, different. You yeah. and I have similar personalities and, and we, we have these kids that are like us, you know? They're, they're savages and they're headstrong and they're just... They, it makes for it makes for tough going. Yeah, you see these other kids and they're like obeying their parents yes, and shit, yes. and you're like, what? What? I don't, that, that's just not everybody's journey, man. And yeah. I, I was difficult to raise, and but well, thanks for saying that. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 I just, that's yeah. that's it. That's fascinating to me that you feel like you haven't processed it. And yeah, yeah. do you also? Can, am I inspiring you to process? Um, I'm, I'm looking for any, you know, via duct I can to surf down that, you know, because you, you've inspired me to, you know, open a business and, and weave my art and my life and my business together. Hearing <laughs> you say that it's, you're having, that you were having a very tough time. I was like, Ooh, I want to get into that too. I want to slide into that. So, work. okay. So here, so, you know, I was, I was on the ski slopes when I heard and I, it was a weird thing where like the adrenaline like blocked the emotion for a few days. Mm -hmm. And then we went for the funeral and I still wasn't feeling, I wasn't feeling anything for about three weeks. And then as I got back in my groove after the new year and I'm, you know, just, it would be those moments where I get to work and I'm like alone at my desk and then it all just crashed in. And then I had two weeks there where I felt like, so down, so depressed. I was feeling like I thought I sh probably should have felt at the funeral. It, it's weird, man. And and I, you hear people say this. Everybody processes grief differently, but that's so true. But I'm also observing the stages because that there were those two weeks. And then there was this last week where the anger really took hold. And it wasn't like... I'm angry that he's gone or I'm, I was just feeling all this anger and it was maybe misdirected too, like all this, just little shit at work or something. My kid, you know, I was just like, I was just full of anger. One thing about it is anger is more productive than sadness, but, um, yeah, but yeah, I'm still in it, I guess. Mm -hmm. And, and, um, I'm trying to like do all the things that they tell you to do, which is, 
like, you know, give myself grace and not like you, you should don't be mad at Matt because you haven't processed yet, but not, I'm just, you know, a little stuck. It can be there for you. No, how are we going to, how do I get you unstuck? I don't know. Podcasting. <laughs> or uh, maybe start another scroll, Matt. I was thinking about that. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like, like, about about writing a good again. Dad, scroll, a, a There's scroll always another dad. scroll. Yeah. A dad scroll would be amazing. I Poems think. about your dad and your upbringing. And there yeah. could be some mad poems. You know what? There it is. We'll have you back on in a year and we can uh, read some of those poems. That's my a year. Says this is a poetry podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, so we got to the softball stuff and the hard hitting. Yes. Oh, there, there was one other question I had what for you. you. Um, what do you think happens when we die? Okay, so <laughs> what I think happens when we die is, from what I can tell, you do go through. So I believe in dual. I believe in duality. So I believe everything that exists also doesn't, and every extreme also exists too. So there's a half of a pers- You know, half of it is. None of it mattered. It was totally a big, hilarious joke. <clears throat> you know, like everything was a hilarious joke. And you just laughed at the whole thing. And the other half is, no, that shit was real serious. You made a lot of decisions. And here's the, what you have to now, you know, carry on. And then as you're in that pool of understanding of, of the, you know, the, the big cosmic dr- joke and the meaning, you then are somewhere that's so different such an altered place that we can't speak about it, but it's so different and it's half you want to stay there forever and half you want to come back and figure it out again. And so when you're ready, you get back in line, just like you would at the roller coaster, you know, at the music park and you go and then you spin the big wheel and it's a half layer of your karma and a half layer of total random chance come together, spit you into a whole nother reality. So you've got fragments of your past lives and all this stuff that's just totally random, completely mixed up, and it goes on for eternity. Well, that was, that was a good answer. Yeah, makes sense, I too. I think that's probably something around that. Do you think we can do a smoothie based on that? One with everything? <laughs> and we get it to you? One with everything. Yeah, it's one with everything. And it's like all the ingredients. All, all the ingredients in the whole shop. Well, the whole world. No, you think you think they are, and then you open the lid, and it's just nitrous. And and <laughs> so you just start laughing. And and Matt, I want I want two micrograms of your 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 concentrate in there. I really want I really want to pop up. You know okay, what I'm saying? You, know what? you want to with, never sleep again? I was going to start with one microgram, but I think you can have it too. <laughs> oh my god! Good. Okay, well. Yeah. I mean, the, the problem with doing the podcast in the morning is that, like, the rest of the day is going to be a letdown. <laughs> well, no, but, but the thing is, is we're, you know, I think um, it's, it's, it's a big weekend, you know, Super Bowl oh, yeah. weekend. Um, it's Saturday, so we've got this whole weekend ahead of us. I was thinking the same thing, Matt. Like, okay, okay. Uh, it's That's, like starting here, it's a good way of focusing. Like, uh, you okay. talked about all the things that you need to do, and yeah. Uh, like, uh, it's not often that I. I need to. I need to. Well, it's not often that I ever have people in my house, but it's definitely not often that I start the day. I gotta go check out the sod. I gotta make some charcuterie for the big game. I gotta process my dad's passing. (laughs) Uh, I gotta. I gotta create a new poetry scroll. (laughs) I I gotta. I gotta make a smoothie that has literally every ingredient in the world in it. It's just nice. I gotta learn how to take all the charge out of parenting and make it so that it's a more of a. The parenting thing is the one. (laughs) It seems the most. It's easier to make a smoothie with every ingredient in the world than it is to parent. 
and I think that's right. No, but I, I am planning on going to Central Market and getting chicken wings and then using all the leftover stuff in the fridge, you know, Ume, Yuzu, chili oils and Louisiana's and all that stuff and make just some insane marinade for my for my hot super hot wings. I'm gonna do, I'm gonna do leftover sauce marinade and see what happens. Sweet. Expired yeah. sauces. So you're I know you're a uh, a genius when it comes to wings. I've, I've had your wings. It's, it's outrageous. I do some cauliflower wings too, so get satisfied the vegans. That's good. Yep. Thanks for your time, man. Thanks for I'm, having I'm me. I'm so glad to see you. And this is fun. Um, here's how we end it. We say the poor are the choices. The sweet of the wine. <laughs> <laughs>